Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas and I have toned it down. And the reason why I've toned it down is I've just had my partner's face look through the laundry window just to let me know that, hey, fuckhead, the kids aren't asleep yet. So don't do your intro fucking over the top because I'm putting them down and it's going to take me 45 minutes. And if I don't get them down, I'm going to jump your podcast and tell you you're a piece of shit. Anyway, now it's my time. Yes. And I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else except Dilruk Jai Singer. Well, then I don't have any kids, so I'm going to bring the energy right up here because fuck my neighbors. Uh, they don't smile at me in the hallway. No, so that, uh, that is really nice to know that, that that's the version of you that would happen if your wife just keeps looking at you. But, uh, mate, we've got a guest in. I am so excited to have this gentleman in the studio. Uh, you know, he hosts uh, the Big Squid podcast. He is one of my favorite stand-up comedians and has played the role of mentor to me many a time. But now I'm very proud to call a friend. Please welcome to Fitbit Pod, Justin Hamilton! I can be kind of loud as well. There's no kids here. There's no kids whatsoever. And I don't know if I want to draw the attention of my neighbor. I'm scared of making new friends, you know? Can we use that as a jumping off point? Because I saw your Instagram, Justin, and you have someone named Craig uh, whose letters you put on your Instagram. Oh, yes. So that is a really funny thing to bring up. So there's there's someone making some noise somewhere in the block of apartments here in Surrey Hills in Sydney. And I've, I've heard it a little bit, but it's obviously a couple of floors up above. And so it's not annoying me that much. But there is someone who is obviously hearing it uh, quite loudly. And he wrote a letter and printed it at the bottom of the stairwell saying, Dear inconsiderate upstairs neighbour, we live sleeplessly directly below your apartment and are tired of losing sleep due to your endless talking into the wee hours of the morning. Your high-pitched voices permeate through the floor to our apartment. We can hear you from our bedroom. Please have some consideration for your neighbours and tone it down. Close the kitchen and bathroom windows. Close the bedroom door. Don't make me have to yell at you again. If you're wondering why the neighbours give you dirty looks, when they see you, it's because you're so inconsiderate. Have some respect and shut the frick up. Whoa. Like, wow. Craig. And, and there's a part of me that's like, Craig, just say fuck, mate. <laughs> like, you're that angry. Don't go the frick. Go the full fuck. Well, now you've given me reason to realise why my neighbours might be giving me uh, not smiling at me. It's, it's because maybe I'm too loud on my podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is what's happening. But there's been subsequent letters as well, and they've gone from being nicely typed to now written in jagged texture. And I have to be honest, it's been super entertaining. <laughs> yeah, but I'm surprised because I because my manager has like like the same thing where they have arguments, but they've got a Facebook group where everyone in the apartment is in the Facebook group, and then the arguments happen there. But the fact that people are still writing stuff and posting it up on the wall is great. Oh, it's completely analog. It's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's really like it's quite nostalgic. Like, <laughs> like just to come down and see that because usually it's all online. And like my manager was showing me stuff of like you know some like you know you can get pretty pretty heated. But my favorite is there was like she showed one where then people have to translate it because there was like a South American couple who couldn't speak English and they were making a lot of noise and then they couldn't read the Facebook post and then they had to translate it. And I was like, this is great. Like this is so inclusive that even if you can't understand it, we'll translate our passive 
passive aggressive message for you. <laughs> oh wow! Does that take the the passive part of it out? If yeah. you have to go to the trouble of translating, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. It would take it actually. Yeah, it would, it'd probably sound more like a robot. But oh wow! Okay, I want to meet. I mean, do you know who the noisy neighbor is? No, I have no idea. So that's why I'm kind of enjoying it because I don't really mingle with anyone here because I'm a I'm a middle aged man who lives by himself and I'd, I'm very good like if, if I was in the X-Men my mutant ability would be the power to not mingle and keep myself <laughs> amused but uh, I mean you would have I'm been great at the, the high-five bar back in uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival <laughs> oh yeah I could just be in a corner like just uh, almost blending into whatever stained carpet they have on the walls these days <laughs> wow so, uh, so, mid- so middle age how, how middle-aged middle are you Justin if we can ask I am I'm like I'm properly middle aged now do you know what I mean like I'm 48 I literally turned 48 uh, happy on birthday. Sunday happy birthday. thank you 48 it was a bit of a bummer because so all my family are back in Adelaide and if I don't get home around my birthday because I'm working, I think they're completely fine because I'm working. But this time, because of COVID and, you know, borders being shut, there was a little bit of a weird lead up where it's like, well, when are we going to see you? Like, when are we going to catch up with you again? My mum has a a compromised autoimmune system. So, like, when I was there for the Adelaide Fringe, I had, like, a sneezy cold for two days and that turned into bronchitis for her so it's a really smart idea for me not to go back even though I'd like to catch up with her uh, it's a really good idea for me not to go back and spend because I could get anything on the plane and then wander in and then it's going to turn into something awful for her yeah and in order to avoid that risk that means you have to lock yourself away for maybe more than the two weeks you know what I mean like just if you were to go you wouldn't want to risk seeing her straight away you'd have to like isolate yourself for two, three weeks, and then feel comfortable, just for your own personal confidence or for it, you know what I mean? So I'd I'd have to spend money on top of, you know, we're all comedians here, we're all on the same wavelength, Uh, we're not earning a lot of money, so you don't want to be spending two weeks of hotel money to quarantine to make sure that you then go and visit someone Mm. and don't get them sick. So it's just easier not to. But anyway, so I had a phone call with her in the morning, we had a really long chat, and she was in a really good mood, and then... I got a phone call like 10 minutes after we'd just hung up and one of her cats has died on my birthday. Poor little thing. So it's like Aww. I just cheered her up to this really good position and then the, her cat, one of her cats died. But um, oh, and, and, and you were telling me as well that, that at the start of lockdown, you, you got your mum on, your mum got onto emojis for the first time. And <laughs> yeah, so mum, so I've been trying to talk mum into getting because uh, she lives by herself. I've been trying to talk her into getting a mobile phone for years, mainly because just to look out for yourself. And yeah. then she finally relented and she got a mobile phone. And at 67, mum has discovered the joys of emoji and memes. <laughs> and she is a texting demon, but because she's not used to texting, She's a stickler for, you know, good spelling. (laughs) And so she keeps making spelling errors. So one text message will be nine text messages Uh. as she, no, that word was meant to be this. No, that word was meant to be that. Oh, sorry, that word in the follow-up text was meant to be that. And I know what all those words are and I kind of don't give a fuck, but she needs to point out that she didn't mean to make that mistake. And then you get three emojis of different things. Putting their hands, hands up. in the air, frustrated. <laughs> the face bump. 
Yeah. So it's just and a stream really of into the memes as well. Yeah. 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 So, just, anyway. well, fans just, of your podcast, Big Squid, are kind of technically fans of your mum, uh, as I was listening to as you were doing the recaps of uh, the Watchmen series and how her predictions were starting to come true, like uh, about time travel. And so we all became like indirect fans of your mum. Yeah, she's uh, she's she's still pretty sharp, actually. Yeah. You know, and uh, it, it's it's nice. It's probably where I get my fandom of things from. Like, I've never really stopped being a fan of stuff. I think, you know, don't, don't you find as you kind of get older, you're sometimes surrounded by friends our age and, I don't know, Cynic- they're just hard work, aren't they? Too, too, <laughs> I think people get too cool to care about stuff. They think that if you care about something, that means you're, you know, that, that, that demonizing the idea of maybe music you're still allowed to care about a band, but if you care about a TV show, a movie, a comic book, a, a bloody fucking, I don't know, a new toy like a, even a nintendo or something people are like mm, you're just a, that's for kids yeah there's there's just this weird attitude and i noticed it a couple of times on like little zoom catch-ups i don't know if you've had this happen where you're talking to your mates and you're having a really good time and then someone's daughter will come in to say hello and they event like they just immediately become like old men so it's like the 15-year-old daughter walks in and then immediately they're like, oh, here we go. They're going to be talking about K-pop. What's that all about, K-pop? Pfft, God, it's not even really music. It's like, mate, like you don't have to be into it, but you also don't have to be, oh, oh, yeah. here we go about it. Do you know what I mean? Just just ask some questions. It's, well, so, it's so funny you say that, Justin, because I am a real stickler for that. I have made... I. I am one to not question their tastes. I can ask them questions about it because if you if you don't like something they do, and this is a dad pointed this out, including, is is if you go against or you don't like something in your opinion, then they will fight against it because it then gets a reaction out of you, and then they'll actually start doing something that they probably don't even enjoy, or they'll realize later down the track, yeah, that wasn't for me. But then you perpetuate it also because you don't want to also be that comedian takes it to the stage and go, oh gee, what's the deal with K-pop, eh? Oh, oh I know. It's, you're like. <laughs> But also, like, just kind of be open to things because you might discover something that you end up liking as well. Yep. It's like when I saw Harry Styles in Dunkirk, I thought his acting was really good and he had an album come out and I thought the first single sounded like a kind of old-school glam rock single, so I bought the album and I listened to it three times. Guess what? I wasn't into it. It wasn't for me. <laughs> I'm in my 40s. But I listened to it three times and gave it a crack right. and right. at the end of it, I was like, you know what? I reckon that was a pretty good album. I just don't reckon this old guy is his audience. Yeah, yeah. But I could and he'd appreciate be fine it. with that as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's that thing is, and and I I find it um, something you just said there that uh, uh, about. Um, oh man, my brain just just generally did a fart. Oh my god, I I was really about to launch on something you said about Dunkirk and before the Harry Styles. Never mind, ignore me. Oh, my brain's just fried. I can't believe that just Don't happened. think about it. It'll come to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you talk about uh, giving your daughter the, the present and then getting into it. Oh, that's right. About uh, something that you might discover that you might like. Ben, uh, you uh, and your daughter uh, got me. Well, actually, not even you. Your daughter got me onto Bluey. And I've been yes. watching Bluey in the morning. And it is so good. It's great. That is amazing. It's like seven minutes. Uh, I'll watch one episode. Puts me in a great mood. It's very harmless. Like... I know it's not. I'm not the target audience, but it makes me happy. So fuck them if they don't think that's if they think it's weird that I like it. I like it's, it. It's, 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 yeah. I'd hate to be someone who doesn't enjoy stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I, totally. I, or not only just you know what annoys me. I don't whatever you don't have to like it, but when you get annoyed that someone else likes it just because it isn't fitted what your version of the world should be, that if you know, oh, a grown uh, grown man shouldn't be skateboarding or whatever the fuck that that narrative can be, I'm always like, fuck is wrong with you? Why are you hating? Why are you wasting energy on hating someone else's passion? But it's also the enjoy if if you and I reckon that took me a while, but even then just recently I've kind of undergoing this. If you are passionate about something and you love something, that if you're seeking such enjoyment from it, then that can actually be quite contagious and people want to kind of jump in and enjoy that enjoyment, even though they're not really into it. And that's what I've been doing with the Tour de France, that my son is way into it. And he's four, but he's never seen it. Now, my daughter's not as much, but because we're having such a good time, we watch it, she joins in and just knows about certain things and gets really excited and then asks questions. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, And then, you know, the next thing she's really into, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get into that. Bluey's a good example. That's the one I think I'll probably get into the most. But, you know, it's just like, oh, what are, what are we doing next? Rather than just going, nah, that's shit. Because you'll get enough of that as a teenager. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a real sign also of, uh, you, you it kind of keeps you young being into things as well and being excited about stuff and all the energy that that releases. Well, we were oh. saying that you should save uh, a little story you told us at the before we hit record about how that you were having a bit of a, r- a rough day and so how did you cure that uh, diff- <laughs> that you you've been annoyed? <laughs> like literally yesterday, I just one of those days where you, you know. You, like, because I'm trying to keep myself busy and I'm actually working quite hard during all of this, as we all are, in trying to create content in, in limited ways. And I just kind of got mucked around a little bit yesterday and the, the lift is being fixed at my apartment, which means... It is really loud at certain points. So oh, poor Craig stage, will be tr- fucking robable. <laughs> oh, Craig is having a fucking <laughs> nervous breakdown, mate. That 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 next letter is going to be written in red crayon, and it's going to look like you know red rum just over and over again. But uh, so I just kind of cracked the sads, and then I looked, and I was like, oh, it's Tuesday, fourteen dollar tickets at the cinema. So I thought, oh, I, I'm just down the road from like a twenty minute walk from. Fox Studios at the entertainment corner. Yeah. So I went and saw Tenet and there was no one else in the cinema because it was a mid-afternoon session. So I went and saw it on the extreme screen, took in three glasses of red wine <laughs> and <laughs> had a really good day. That's <laughs> it. So I know, I know, oh. Ben. I don't know. I'm feeling so like I'm such a Nolan fan and I've, I've avoided everything online about Tenet. I've, in fact, we spoke on the phone a couple of times, Justin, and I've just actively avoided talking about it to you and Adam Richard. But I... Um, oh, I it's one of those things where I don't want to ruin it for anyone perfect, either. Because exactly. I, I, I want... I, if you're a fan, I want you to go and yeah. have a good time. As totally. I, look for, and, I look forward to seeing it in about five to six years. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I also think I like about what you, that story, Justin, is that you know what you like. And it's kind of like lucky that you, A, you know it, and B, it's not heroin. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you just, you're like, fuck it. Who's getting hurt by this? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so nice that your outlet for stress relief is is so harmless. Yeah, it's great. You know, I have never thought about that, but like, genuinely, thank goodness it's not heroin. Because like, I would have been really good at it, I think, if I had been a 
heroin addict with the way I go and see movies. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Man, I'm just on the corner. I just need five. I just yeah. need a five yeah. for another ticket, mate. Yeah, <laughs> you'd, you'd have an explanation for the type of spoon that this particular one you're using. You'll be saying, can you see the engravings on the top of that spoon? <laughs> that actually oh, yeah. is foreshadowing <laughs> the deep darkness that I'm about to step into. But I love it, though, because you're going to the movies in the middle of the day when there's no one in there. Which is yes, just great because you don't have to deal with the you know the, the rushes and the dates and people crunching and eating food. It's just it's you and maybe one other old lady in there, and at the moment, actually, probably nobody. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the the thing about going to the cinema at the moment is it's actually a fantastic experience because every place is super clean. Like, they have to clean it yeah. within an inch of its surface. And then no one's allowed to sit in front of you, behind you, or to the sides of you. Oh, wow. So it's like, oh, this is how the cinema is always at its best when no one's sitting anywhere near you and you can just enjoy the experience. <laughs> <laughs> bringing, it, bringing me back to the, the, I think we were talking about COVID, I guess one of the things, I guess the evolution of this podcast in this lockdown has been, uh, we've initially talked about everyone's struggles with it, but I think at this point we seem to have hit where people have found their own versions of coping with it or strategies that they've found effective for them. Have you discovered anything like that for yourself, Justin? Like that is saying the lockdown situation? Yeah, well, so just to give you a little bit of backstory, and this this will make you laugh heaps. The well, it, it's funny because it's absurd. But I was performing at the Adelaide Fringe. My final Saturday there, I performed my own show. I did the Late Show at the Rhino Room. I did the Adelaide Fringe Gala at the Thebanon Theatre to 2,000 people. And had a really good time in Adelaide. Had a really good run with the shows. Really hung out a lot. And that was fantastic. So that was the Saturday. Flew back to Sydney on the Sunday. And by the Friday, I was wearing a mask with a long sleeve shirt, lined up at 8.30am for Centrelink. And I was like, what wow. the fuck just yep. happened? And and I have I had savings, but so I'd kind of been watching all of this occur overseas. And I have to admit, the reason I was kind of on top of it to a certain extent was because of the NBA. And the NBA had been talking about yeah. uh, all the things that they might have to put into place if anyone came down with COVID. And when I watched one of their players get diagnosed with COVID and then the whole league shut down in an hour. It was like, oh, this is a billion dollar industry. We're not going to have a Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah. We're not going to have anything. Yeah. Like if the NBA is shutting down that quickly, this is really serious. So I figured this could go on for a while. So I immediately went to Centrelink, not really knowing what it was going to occur from there. It was a big thing emotionally to do that as a, you know, you have a bit of pride oh, and I, I, I understand that we should do it, but you still feel a bit of pride and you feel a little bit of failure. But I also knew, well, part of my job is to keep paying rent and keep paying whatever bills I have to pay because that's my part of the economy. And I've got to keep that part of the economy ticking over because everyone has to contribute in any way they can. And I pay taxes. And if I do get Centrelink, this was before JobKeeper came along. Mm. It's like, well, I'm keeping my part of the bargain. Yeah. And I would say uh, most of the time I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I would say I'm probably at my worst between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. Oh, wow. <laughs> so when you can't sleep and then that's when you're going. Like, like I 
I think about the skills in the real world. I've been a comedian for like 26 years. Uh-huh. I have no real skills. Mm-hmm. Like I don't drive and that's quirky as a 20, as a 48-year-old <laughs> comedian. But on the Fury Road, I'm fucking breakfast. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, if so, you could learn the guitar, you could at least be the doof warrior. But you don't yeah, even yeah, have, you even have that. that. I'll, I'll do it with a kazoo. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of how I've tried to approach things. I started doing. Uh, I'm sure you guys have been doing yoga with Adrienne. We, on... I definitely dabbled until I fucked my back up. She's fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 I did. I dabbled. I dabbled. We've said th- we've said this before. The thing I like about her approach is about whatever version of you that showed up on the day. That's what it's meant to be. So you don't judge it for. Oh man, it's hard to do this posture or whatever. It's like no, that's what it's meant to be. Chill the fuck out. And I love that philosophy. I I I went to, I went a bit deeper with it because after a couple I was just like oh I, I I reckon I could fall in love with you <laughs> oh really so no 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 that's I, I honestly wish she was my cousin oh, I wish she was like uh, there was a family function I'd think oh I can't be fucked going and then someone says you know Adrian's going I go oh is she well like, let's go she's delightful and the dog uh, that, that probably says yeah yeah absolutely that probably says more about my age though that I look at her and think ah oh, I wish I was related to her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's too many Adelaide-based jokes to pop in my head. That seems unfair. Um, but, but, but it's funny because, like, if you think about it, I've heard a lot of people talking about her and, and a lot of people doing a lot of yoga online. And when I hear about it, I just I walk around Brunswick and every second place is, in, is, is either Pilates or yoga studio and they've been shut down for, like, six months. And so in my head, I'm like, how many people have just like, you know what, I think I've got this down pat at home. I think I can nail it and then do this in the comfort of my home rather than having to sit there and pretend I'm not competing uh, with anyone else in the room when I actually secretly am. Like, I just, I'm so curious, like that whole fitness world, how that's going to come back, especially Victoria, how that's going to come back because so many people are doing it online now. now. Well, you know, like I, like my gym reopened and I've just cancelled it because what I do is I do the yoga at home. I get exercise. Like I walk at least, at least 10 Ks a day. You know, I do three lots of 18 push-ups, you know, like I'm so, you know, that kind of thing. And you just suddenly realize, oh, I don't need to go to a gym. I can just kind of do all of that here. But you know what was, so you might find this interesting. So uh, because I don't know my father's side, I have to kind of be careful with a, a few blood results and things because we don't know what to kind of look out for. And I have slightly on the edge sugar levels. Uh, that could turn into diabetes, and we don't know if it will, but we've got yeah. to keep an eye on is it. Is that what Who pre-diabetic, th- pre-diabetic means? Sorry? Is that what pre-diabetic means? Yeah, so it's just the sugars are just high enough that I have to be careful okay. about it because it okay. could turn into... And who would have thought that a guy who did a show called Snacks could end up being pre-diabetic? <laughs> but, uh, anyway. Just drop in bags of fruit chocks <laughs> during Birds of Prey. Yeah, yeah. Where, where'd this all go wrong? But anyway, I, I finally went and got a... Uh, I was meant to get a test at the start of the year, didn't go because of COVID and thought this is something that can wait. And then uh, about uh, two months ago when I got myself tested and I've been eating well, I've been getting heats of exercise, but my cholesterol and sugar levels were the highest they've ever been. And I was like, what's happened here? And you know what it is? It took my doctor and I ages to work it out. I haven't been home at night 
this many months in a row since I was probably a young teenager. Yeah. Wow. And so what's been happening is I have been eating full meals like I normally would cook myself. I've been eating them a little bit later than I normally would because normally I'd eat them a bit early and then go to a gig. And instead I'm eating a full meal and going from that side of my apartment to that side of my apartment. And that's like seven steps. And then you're going to bed with a full stomach and that's what's made everything go up. So I've gone quite Amish in my approach and I'm having the big meals and you're churning in your the own morning butter? and lunch. Yeah, lunch <laughs> churning yeah. my own butter <laughs> yeah. and hiding Harrison just Ford big, away from Three o'clock in the morning just churning butter going, eat that, Craig. Eat that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Craig's upset about the donkey noises that are coming from Justin's. Um, so that's, sorry, I, I cut you off there. It was a lunch, a big lunch and then light dinner, is it? And then light dinner, like graze, graze for dinner. Was there any chat with your doctor around the impact of any kind of stress and how cortisol can perhaps uh, spike things like cholesterol and and blood sugar? You know, it could be, like, I'm sure that's having a bit of an effect Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Like, like one of my favourite things in the world to do is stress eat. Like, I'm really good at it. Like, I love fucking chewing and just, you know, swallowing food and making it scratchy and different textures and all that kind of stuff but but the problem is is that it's like i would get all my exercise in the morning and then wasn't moving for the rest of the day so i've just had to kind of have the big meal at lunch then get the exercise and i've also had to reintroduce a little bit of running to my exercise as well which i hadn't done for a long time because i've got you know slightly bad lower back and knees and ankles from all the injuries that i had when i played basketball and so How are the ankles? What I'm doing what are the ankles is, like? Uh, like, towards the end, when I was playing basketball, when I was about 26, it would be like, in the first three minutes when both ankles finally rolled, <laughs> yeah. you'd go, oh, good, okay, great, now I can play properly. Yeah, I'm the same, I'm the same. When I played basketball, it was just like, there goes the left one, oh, my right one's okay, no, the right one's gone, and then you're like, gee, these, these top-hand shoes, this will hold my, why don't I have ankle braces? And then I spend most of the rest of the game going, I need to get ankle braces, I need to get ankle braces, and then, and then you forget, and then play again, and then roll it again. Yeah, but then, you know, I had a... uh, So I did my ankles really badly as a kid and tore the ligaments apart and from the bone. Yep. And my surgeon, who used to look after... Who was the surgeon for the Adelaide 36ers, he stressed to me not to get ankle bracelet things because... That's how you get knee injuries because then when you go to do your ankle, it reverberates up and then it hits the knee, and that's why there was suddenly all these knee injuries. So he said, "If it's kind of better to do your ankle than your knee." Yeah, even though just the thought of it is just because were you doing it where this is where I do, especially my left one. You roll it one side and then deal. It recorrects, so then then it swings all over the other side. You actually roll both sides, so you've got breathing on both sides because because you've got no ligaments left. They've been stretched, so it does the double roll. And so you just have this blue foot that you don't hop on for at least four to six weeks, and then you'll do it again. Like, because when I, I I talked about it, like it's like I did my ankle so bad doing basketball and indoor soccer, which is again just as bad. And then I would on a big night before go drinking, I just would wear an ankle brace on the left foot because because I was sick of going out on the piss and rolling it. Because then you roll it. And then you just keep walking the whole night, which just, you know, at the time, the adrenaline and the boost kicks in. And the next morning, I remember once I woke up and I couldn't take, I couldn't undo the shoelaces because my ankle had swollen that much and stretched the shoelaces in such what? a knot that I couldn't get it undone. 
Holy shit. Yeah. It's like Christmas ham. So just quickly going back to the, 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 the pre-diabetic thing, is there any, what was the advice given in terms of uh, changes to the diet? I mean, you said you introduced running, but is there meant to be anything other than reducing what you eat at night? Or is, I mean, rather than quantities, is there quality t- qualitative changes that you had to make? You know, I probably was snacking a little bit too much right in the middle of the year, uh-huh. you know, and and also just drinking a bit too much as well. Like I was not um, not every night, but then, you know, just having a couple of times a week where you go, fuck everything. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> I am Christ. drinking this bottle of wine. Uh, yeah, I was. Oh. I, I told Ben today that I kicked off Monday morning, 8 a.m. I started the day with a tub of ice cream, uh, a Maggie beer ice cream. I'm like, it's 8 a.m. I don't give a fuck. It is that kind of day, you know? But what are your... Stress well, eating, I, I, stress drinking. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I don't drink anymore, but in this pandemic, I found half a bottle of really nice French scotch that... My uh, sister's ex-boyfriend gave me like five years ago and it's top quality and I just found it and I was like, and I had the same, I was like, fuck it, let's do this. Let's just, let's just look a lot of ice and let's just pour it on there and let's, don't worry about the three years and just the thought of just going, fuck this felt really good. And I just sat with it for a while. I didn't pour it, uh, put it back in the cupboard for another rainy day, but I just like, there are moments, especially because I get about 45 minutes a day to myself that even when the kids are punching each other or yelling at each other, I just have those moments where I say it. I'm waiting for me to say it out loud where I just go, fuck it. And the kids just turn around and go, oh boy, dad's lost it. But the same thing was like, I yeah, a bottle of red? What kind? What are you, what are you sipping on? A Merlot or a Cab Sav? No, it was a Pinot Noir. Oh, stop. I was, I was stop knocking it. up the Pinots. Stop it. Yeah. And it was delicious. That- and it was, uh, and then you eat shit food with it. <laughs> And it and it and it ruins all the good work that you've been doing. But you know the, the the thing is is that it doesn't take long for you to see the benefits of not having it. Yeah. And, you know your work's better. You just right. look fresher. I get really, I get I, I I suffer from sleep apnea, so I wear a little mouth guard at night. Sorry if this is getting a bit sexy for anyone listening. Oh, no, uh, right I wear a little mouth guard at night. No- yeah, here it comes, and it kind of brings the jaw forward and allows me to sleep at night. And I'm also a grinder, as right. well. But if I have booze or whatever, it does like I I know when I haven't been sleeping properly because I wake up and I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm puffy. Well, you know, it's just all kind of like it, I've had a a shot of Ventolin straight it, into the eye. Are you upgrading to the CPAC machine anytime soon? Are you going to go to the next one? Well, that's a reason to keep the weight off and keep yeah, fit yeah. so you don't go to that, you know? Yeah. So there's there's all these, you know, pre-diabetic and not wanting to look like Darth Vader before you go to bed every night are two good <laughs> reasons to maintain a level of fitness. But you do just have times where you go, oh, I have had it up to here with absolutely everything in the whole world. I've been – I've got to have uh, – I've just got to be a little bit self-destructive for a bit. Right. Yeah. That's what I need yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. I need to destroy myself for a bit and I'll, I'll rebuild and I'll be fine f- for a while. I, but- I, I was explaining to Ben how I refer to it as my Godzilla day because you just need the monster to come out, cause a bit of havoc, destroy the other monsters that are popping out because they're more dangerous if they're in charge. Like Godzilla is not easy, but at least he'll go back in. We just need to let him out, let him sort his shit out, and then he'll go back in and we can rebuild. 
know? yeah. whereas if you let the other monsters out they want to just hang around all the time so for me it's uh, you know boozing being lazy you know overeating i'm like if i just let godzilla out he'll smash everyone else and he'll be back in the the prob- the problem i have that with though is that i just don't i can't i can't find the time to let it out so i sometimes notice that it does build up and so i can't I can't take it out on the kids because that's not fair on them. I can't really take it out on my partner. So, it's a, so I just have these moments where where it just builds up, builds up. And this is what, again, this is me being weird, but this is what it's turned into. It's like, I just need that outlet. I just I, I just need to, like, I don't want to gorge on food because that's going to make me feel good. So I've got these long bamboo sticks, right, in the backyard. And then my garden's overgrown, right? So it's just like all these weeds with, like, little flowers on the top. So what I do is I pretend it's a samurai sword. And I just strategically, <laughs> I strategically <laughs> chop, chop off the top of the flowers, and Fuck it yeah. feels amazing. I love this. <laughs> and and I and I get all the spins going, and I pretend I'm Donatello from Ninja Turtles, right? And then, well, Donatello and, had the staff, mate. I mean, you mean Leonardo, mate, I, mate? Look, kids, kids stuff's moved on, and so should you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I then then spin. Well, who was the who had the stick? Who had Donatello. The stick? Didn't I say Donatello? Didn't you say Samurai Sword? Oh, yeah, I did too. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Katanas? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Sorry. So, Sorry to get so specific. <laughs> but, so, so then, but then, like, so I'm doing some moves with the sticks, right? And then, try to, and then I chop it off. And there's this beautiful moment where I chop it off and I turn around and I just look at the apartment block that looks down to my backyard. And I'm like, oh, I'm that guy who's going to be on a video on the internet soon. You yeah, might- I was going to say. You're gonna be the new Star Wars kid. Okay, just there's a young couple there, just going, "Hey, hey, honey, he's out there again. Come on, let's, let's go." That's good. You should just, you should start charging them for the entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just, uh, just. It's a live, it's a live show. I, I reckon, uh, a, a, like a, a definitive shout out to all the parents, though. Like, it, I, I respect them so much because even though, on the one hand, like. Being lonely is something that can be overcome. Like you can make a phone call. Do you know what I mean? Like, but being a parent is that's a full time job. It's the greatest and it's life. like, like you know, James Fosdyke, yeah. uh, who's a great artist and a good friend of ours. Yeah, I remember talking to him. Oh yeah, right behind you. I was talking to him, and he was like, "How am I? I'm having to teach my little boy maths." And I'm like, fuck, that sounds awful. (laughs) I'm teaching, I'm teaching my daughter Italian and I don't speak Italian. And so, and so it's just hilarious because I'm I'm genuinely trying. And then I've got like different apps for different pronunciations. And, but yeah, the last couple of weeks, it's like, uh, again, but again, it's also, we've we've been flipping it because it's like, it's a good thing I'm not working. Because for the parents who've both been working full time and schooling full time at home, that's your hell. Yes, you get to keep your job. That is great. I've lost all my work, but at the same time, I've been able to enjoy it and make it a bit more fun for my kids. And then you know, because I've been doing this thing, which I'm sure other parents would just go, pick a topic. What do you want? We've got the internet. Didn't have the internet. I had an encyclopedia on a CD-ROM that wouldn't load. Pick something. And let's have a look. And it's just been great. They'll be like polar bears, pigeons, uh, rocket ships that have exploded. I was like, oh, there's plenty of that, right? Just stuff like that where it's just like, I think I've enjoyed that part. But, like, I, I know that they need to go back to school because daddy needs a break as well. 
Like I just, I, I just need to, because when you're talking about the cinema, I was like, ah, oh, just the idea. Like I could go to a cinema, won't order the glass of wine, maybe order a diet coke. I don't care if something happens to the movie and they don't even show it. Just sitting in a dark room in silence for an hour and a half would be pure yeah. joy. It'd be pure joy. The, the good thing is, is that like. When you get older, you're going to have someone to look after you, whereas I'm probably going to fall over and, and, and like die because I can't get up for three weeks. Yeah. So I, I to- it's I good to have kids. I told on the podcast, when I injured my back and I dropped a plate, it had to stay, the cra- all the shards had to stay on the floor for six weeks because no one can come inside and I had to, I can't bend down. I'm like, well, that stays there now. And it was yeah. really a grim reminder every morning going, you liked Tinder, didn't you, mate? No, you really, <laughs> really enjoyed your dating life, didn't you, champion? Um, I, I do want to talk, uh, if I can go back a bit to sleeping, Justin, because I don't think we've had anyone uh, discuss sleep apnea on the podcast before. It is something that I think I have. Um, my doctor believes it, and I was meant to go to one of the sleep clinics and, and get right. it tested. Um, the only indication I have of it now is occasionally I wake up choking and I, uh, you know, in my sleep. Uh, and also right. I've been having this um, app called Sleep Cycle, which records your snoring and it gives you a little bit. So there are some nights I snore lo- long, longer than, louder than most nights or whatever. But generally speaking, it reduced after losing weight, but it's still there. So what I want to ask you is, first of all, how did you know that you had sleep apnea? What made you go test it? And what was the things that you've been doing that's helped? So it was, it was my girlfriend at the time who sort of was actually really worried about it and she would wake up in the middle of the night and she said she'd just look at me because she was just so bothered that I wouldn't be breathing and then it'd be this gasping for yeah. air yeah. that I wouldn't know about uh, but it's funny it must have been gradual because I never really noticed it then I went and got tested when you get tested it's you're in for a real treat it's really funny because they attached this you look like a 10 cent terrorist you got all these yeah. wait hang on is that a racial call it's... against me <laughs> <laughs> well look it's up to you but uh but so you got things attached to your yeah. head and to your hands and your feet and, and, and you it's can all barely here move. like it's all because yes. I've, I've done it as well at st vincent's where, yes where it's it's it's, it's everywhere and and yeah and do you sleep on your back oh no no i'm a i'm a stomach sleeper so, and then they say now go and have a normal night's sleep. And you're like, are you serious? I can barely move. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like I've fallen into like a, a, an old video game console. You know, it's just <laughs> wires everywhere. Yeah, it's so very then, Tron-esque. So I, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like, so then I did... A scene from Lethal Weapon trying to defuse the bomb. Which wire is this one? <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one to choose. Oh, no, I've blown Hammo up. But um, so then I did the test and then... It turned out I had this uh, level of sleep apnea, which could be uh, sorted with with this mouth guard. So it just it's yeah. it's like a boxing kind of thing where you just slip it in. It brings the jaw forward, which opens the uh, airwaves up and allows you to breathe properly. But it's interesting. I never realised how grumpy I was. Like I was a little bit narky for a while there, and that was from the lack of sleep. Right. And if I look back. I, I could show you photos from that time before I got diagnosed and you would, like, you can see it. Like, I'm quite puffy. Like, I'm not fat, yeah. but everything's a bit yeah. puffy. Oh, 
and it's because right. I wasn't getting enough sleep. Well, it, I'm glad you brought this up, Justin, because I don't think I think I don't think I've shared it in the two and a half years I've been doing this. But I did the same thing as you, and I got diagnosed with sleep apnea. So they right. said, "Hey, you've got it." And I remember just like the whole day, it was the worst night's sleep. I was like, I remember just I wanted to. I want. I don't know if you had the same. Did you want to have a good night's sleep because you wanted yeah. good results? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's it's like um, it's like whenever you go to the doctor, you know, you want yeah, to get the yeah. the tests right because you want to pass this thing that no one else is competing on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, and I remember, like, I remember, I joked with the guy because I remember I was like, like, because he had like a little intercom, and I said, uh, I remember I was like, as a joke, I was like, and, and again, not original. I just went. Uh, I think his name was Nick or something. I was like, hey, he said everything okay, and I put down the end. I was like. Do you like watching people sleep? And he went, "Good night, oh. mate. <laughs> Good night. Good night, buddy. Heard it all before." Oh, did you, so, did you do it in at the clinic? Because I took all the stuff home and did it. At oh, no, home. I did it in the hospital. I did it in the hospital. So I did it in the clinic. So I went on a waiting list for ages because I was like, I don't want to do this privately. It cost a fortune. And so when I went in there, and then I got the results in, came in, and I was quite impressed. I was like, "There's a doctor," and there was like a sleep expert. And they said, uh, okay, well, we, you've got this. Uh, there were options. There was mouth guard, the, the seatback machine. Uh, you know, weight loss was a, a big one. And they, and then I said, uh, look, and again, uh, you'll need to set it up. Um, but I reckon if you do all these things next year, you'll really improve your sleep and, of course, improve your health. I said, and I said, any any life changes coming up at the moment? Like any operations? I was like, oh, well, my partner's having a child. And they were like, oh. I was like, what? And I said, don't worry about it. I was like, what? They were like, yeah, just yeah, when the kids sleep through, come back to us. Now, I've had two children, so I might still have it, but they were like, there's no there's no point if you're just waking up with the children. But I did notice, Before. though, when I lost my weight, I slept heaps better. And yeah. then since I put a couple of kilos back on, my partner's like, you're snoring again. And the only time I snore again, which is then you know, a sign of sleep, is because the weight's back on. That's the yeah, way it's back right. on. So, you know, my dad has the CPAC machine. So I'm just right. like, am I, and I've got a similar build to him. So I was like, am I just going down that path where I will be having that machine and then doing it? But it's just, that is the least sexiest thing I've ever seen. In, 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 <laughs> well, in, I, I got this uh, lovely uh, group of people called SnowMD sent me one of their mouth guard things to trial. Uh, and I, I tried one night, but I don't think I got, there was a whole process with the hot water where you try to get it molded around your, your teeth first. And I, I, I got it wrong the first night and then I've never tried it again since. But this chat has genuinely inspired me to try tonight, like straight away, because I've had terrible sleep. Justin, you were talking about 11 to 2 a.m. is your issue. Mine is 2 to 4 a.m. And I, I wake up in the middle of the night and the, my, my brain's like, hey, Dill, you've never had a Christmas without mom and dad. Enjoy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. and, and I said, I revealed on the podcast that this is, sounds like an insult, but what's helped me go back to sleep is our good friend Adam Rosenbach's book, which is not that it sounds so insulting, but I mean it from an absolute complimentary point of view. It is such a nice escapism. It's such a funny, lighthearted way for me to not think about the shit that's happening in this world that it actually relaxes me. So Rosie has oh, become my, my source of comfort in these last couple of nights. But I've had seven nights in a row of, uh, of waking up at 2 a.m. and oh, unable to sleep brutal. at 4. It's fucking brutal. awful. Oh, yeah. And did, so I'm curious as well. Did you guys have or, or are you still experiencing full-on dreams? And I know mm. asking people about dreams is 
one of the most tedious things in the world. <laughs> I'm sure you've talked about it I, because you, I think you and Dil, I think you and I read the same article, didn't we, about the collective consciousness that's going on with dreaming like and this? how it's become no. HD. No, no, no. Tell me about this Tell one. So it's like because we're all kind of experiencing globally this this same experience and everyone's dreams are becoming, because people are in lockdown and they're less distracted, their dreams are becoming more full on and, and, and more high definition. And so I've had, like early on, I'm going to share something with you. I don't want anyone to think that this is a bad thing. I think these are all just metaphors and this is how life works and I never woke up feeling bad about these. But for the first couple of weeks of lockdown, I had consistent dreams about killing myself. Right. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd think, geez, that was... I went to bed in a really good mood. Like, where did that come yeah. from? Yeah. So, that, so that was for the first couple of weeks. And as I said, I don't want anyone to... Like, I don't want to trigger anyone sure. either. Sure. But I don't think they were... I don't think they were bad dreams. I think everything's kind of a bit of a metaphor and I think they're influenced by who knows what's going on in your subconscious. So, But they were bizarre to wake up from. But then there were dreams where weird combinations of people that should never sort of be hanging out together. And it's interesting. There was always a moment where I knew that I was in a dream. So there would always be a moment where something would be happening and you'd be like eating dinner and then suddenly you'd be thinking... Geez, I can't remember the last time I ate beef. Hang on, I'm a vegetarian. Why am I eating beef? Oh, I'm dreaming. Yeah, <laughs> and then it would be wow. The moment that I came out. But the one that that was the funniest one, which you guys will appreciate because it's about Limo. <laughs> I had a dream where Limo was yelling at me. Now that was my first sign. That's not right. That it was a dream because <laughs> Limo's never even raised his voice no. in my general direction. I went. I went for a run with him yesterday, and he could not be more delightful, even though he kept oh. running faster than never before. <laughs> yeah, it, like we've known each other for twenty six years. He has never yelled at me, so he was yelling at me, and I was thinking, oh, this is a bit weird. And then he was yelling at me because I'd had a bad comedy idea. That was my second sign that it was a dream. Limo yelling at me about a bad idea <laughs> anyway but the, the the in this dream he was yelling at me because i'd uploaded a whole lot of youtube clips of a new character who was a guy who was trying to change his printer and accidentally got ink all over his face oh. and then had to do a presentation and the character was called ink face ah. it was meant to be this right. funny set of videos of a guy who's not racist <laughs> Desperately trying to point out that he's not racist. He just has ink on his face. And Limo was yelling at me saying, I told you no one would look into the nuance of the joke. They just think it's racist. It's a bad idea. And I'm there going, but his name's Inkface. It's a funny... And then I woke up. You know what? I'm, I'm in I'm in such mixed emotions because I think that is a great idea. I don't know I don't know whether the rest of the world would agree, but that idea of someone getting ink printer on them and still saying no, I'm not racist. I just have ink on me. It's classic. Yeah, and just and but, and they keep they keep filming stuff and they can't get it off. You know, yeah. like they've got he's got welts on him because he's trying to get it off, but he keeps uh, feeling a need to tell everyone that he's not racist rather than just stop filming stuff. I just love anyway. I love that Limo is the woke one in this story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. That was the like, that was the the second moment where I went. Wait a minute! He That's works on commercial so... radio. This is a great idea. <laughs> but I love my, it. The vivid the vivid dreams. Like, have you had that as well? They were like super my, uh, vivid. Dreams. I had one three nights ago that uh, uh, I uh, 
this should tell you where my headspace is at, as there's a Sri Lankan flag behind me. Um, I woke up in Sri Lanka. Uh, for some reason, um, they didn't realize that I had to do the two-week quarantine. Uh, and they set me out in the airport. Like, all of a sudden, I'm out instead of being put away in this bus. And rather than doing the right thing, out of desperation, I realized, fuck, I got a good cardio machine on me these days. So I started running home before anyone noticed. And I'm actually running home. And the funny thing is, I'm not running to the house that I live in now, where mom and dad have been in for the last 10 years. I ran to my childhood home uh, in the desperation of get to the safety of that. And And I go in. And the first person I go to hug is my niece, who is like 10 months old in India. So somehow uh, the manifestation yeah. of craving family showed up through her in Sri Lanka in my childhood home. And I woke up from that feeling so sad <laughs> that all, like three of those things aren't going to happen. Like it was, it was pretty, it was a difficult one to wake up from. But I've had a lot of dreams with uh, dead friends. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, you know, they're quite nice. It's this. Yeah. Co- I, I really would love if someone for this because I, I that sort of collectiveness of where people are at. I find that so super interesting because I've had more vivid dreams than I ever had before, and I haven't really been talking about it. I just thought, oh, it's just me going through it. But the one thing that I find really weird, again, it's probably up your alley, uh, is that. I used to. I, I spent a lot of time in my sort of hippie alternative days trying to do lucid dreaming. I spent years oh, yeah. trying, trying to do lucid dreaming. I'd go to bed with a carrot in my hand. I'd stare at the carrot, right, and a stick stare. up your ass. Yeah. But well, it gets it gets away because because in the dream I said if you see the object, you know you're dreaming. You can take control of your dreams, and that's how it works, right? It was like it was like once a carrot, a spoon. Now in my twenties, all I wanted to do in my dreams was either fly or have sex. That is all I wanted to do in my dreams is have fly and have sex. And then Imagine occasionally, if you about the Mile High Club, you would have brain would fucking yes, explode. Yes. Yeah. And then, but the weird thing about it is like. Like the whole thing, the whole thing about it, because I think I could do it when I was a kid, but I wasn't quite sure. So when I was an adult, I'd be like, okay, oh, I, I can see the carrot. Oh, great. I want to have sex. Oh, there's some beautiful ladies. I'll go have sex with them. And then and then what would happen in the dream is every time I got close, and again, this is weird dreams, don't make any sense, but I'd go there and I'd be like, it's happening. And then I'd get dry wheat peaks stuck in my throat and I'd wake up. So I'd literally choke on the opportunity to... to <laughs> To be with with women in the dream, right? Now that was that was 15, 20 years ago. Cut back to now. The only thing I still have, which I was able to do as a kid, is when I'm doing my vivid dreams and it gets too scary, I have an out clause. And in the dream, it's the only way I was like, this is too much. I can't get out of it. So what I do is I know that if I kill myself in the dream, I wake up. And I wake up really quickly and then I go back to sleep. And it is so weird that I can do it. In my dream, where I can be like, it's really full on. I'll be like, hang on. Oh, this is not like, oh, my dad's in a lot of pain. Oh, this is too much. I can't handle it. And I'll be like, there's some traffic. I'll just step in front of a bus. Bang, wake up. I wake up and then I go back to sleep. And that's how I get out of my dreams that I don't like. I kill myself. I want want to see a sequel to Yeah, I was about to say, I want to see a sequel to Inception where your totem is a carrot. (laughs) Is that... Did the carrot topple at the end? Spinning the carrot to see whether it's which does it I see. I, I haven't seen Inception. I haven't seen Inception. Oh, oh you, you, you know what? You should watch it because you'll be wrapped because a lot of things he just described, right, Dill? Yeah, uh, exactly. Things that happened in Inception. The jumping in front of a train. Like, I mean, honestly, yeah. literally. Like, <laughs> really? Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Because wow. I, I remember doing it as a kid. Like, and my go to yeah. one all the time was, was, uh, 
going on a skateboard and then skateboarding off a cliff. And I'd be like, and then I'd get, oh, and then I'd fall down, and then I knew when I hit the water, I'd wake up, and that would happen. Like Bart right. Simpson trying to jump the, the ravine. That's so, <laughs> so funny. So oh. while you were talking, I I I looked up what flying means oh. in a dream. Right. And it says here, so it's interesting that you were trying to f- fly, but you were you flying in your dreams? No, the closest thing I ever got to it was I'd run off a cliff, right, and I would. I'd be going down and the whole thing was to get momentum to go up into the air. And that's the only time I've ever been able to pull that off. Right. Well, flying means you normally feel unhappy in waking life and that you are totally out of control. Dreaming of flying in the air normally happens when one feels somewhat out of control in life. Flying in most dream books represents your own ambitions that you are flying higher in life. So it's probably a good thing that you couldn't. And then having... there you go. I mean, this is so good. Oh, I can't believe I've never looked having, this up. Yeah, this is fun. And then having sex in a dream can mean many things. It can be an energy exchange whereby you want a quality that that person has. Yeah. So I guess like you're, you're a succubus stealing their soul. Right. And then um, it also depends on how you feel about sex. Some people see it as pure pleasure or wanting to feel desired. For others, it can mean security and stability. Oh, that's super oh. interesting because... Yeah. I've probably had one one night stand in my life. Every other person has been a connection. But again, this is when I was in my early twenties, though. So you know, I was I was at my peak. But it's so funny because the two things I wanted to achieve, I never was able to achieve in my dream. The only thing I've ever come away with is I know how to get out of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a good thing, though. Yeah, which is just really <laughs> weird. I uh, just your dream about the sex thing reminded me. I had my first ever proper like intercourse based sex dream. I must have been like twelve, and I remember the moment that led up to me and whoever this girl was. There was nudity, and then I woke up because I didn't know what the next step was. I didn't know how the rest of the narrative is meant to play out. I just knew (laughs) there was something to do with penis. Uh, I didn't know where it was meant to go. It was just too stressful. There's a lot of admin. I woke up. <laughs> a lot yeah. of admin. <laughs> a lot of admin. <laughs> a lot of admin. <laughs> Man, that's, um, that's... that's when sex dreams go bad. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think we need to start working towards wrapping up. Yeah, Pavel, this has been amazing. So many places, but uh, I think it's quite um, uh, interesting that you said that about the dreams that you're having and how you want to make sure that people that don't worry about what these dreams mean. Mm. Uh, and, 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 and as always, once in a while, we say 13, 11, 14. If you're having dark thoughts, uh, please use the, the, the helpline. They're, they're very good at what they do. Uh, uh, but uh, something that I was really keen to make sure I mentioned on this podcast is how influential you have been on me in terms of not only keeping a check about where I'm at mentally in my 30s, but as well as my friends who are approaching that mid-30 years, because I remember hearing on one of your podcasts, I think it was, can you take this photo, please? Uh, maybe five, maybe seven, eight years ago, you mentioned about how around the age of 35 that you noticed that it's very important to check up on your mates, especially if they're men, that there's, there there's, tends to be less sharing by men about where they're at and how they feel. And that has been something that I've carried with me you know and these days more than ever it's been extremely you know relevant and it's just something that i wanted to discuss with you about uh, because you were saying that it was something that was told to you yeah so it was it was i was kind of encouraged so when i turned 30 uh, a good friend of mine uh, richard fardler 
the ABC radio host uh, and author and ex Doug Anthony All Star. He's appeared uh, on Big Squid quite a couple of t- quite a few times. Yes, yeah, and uh, he took me aside and he, he so he had a couple of friends who ended up in a bad place in their early forties, and he sort of so what he was kind of encouraging me to do was in, in your in your mid thirties start start the conversation because when you kind of hit forty something shit just kind of goes a little bit weird and I always I really respect Richard and I really look up to him so I put that information in the back of my head and I hit 40 and 40 felt pretty good to be honest 40 was like oh yeah this is great I just turned it it's been good yeah 40's good and then 41 and it was like oh it's just a little bit like 40 and but just not quite as good like almost like the gradient is just slightly off but the, the thing that I found that really affected me was I felt like specifically in our industry I was treated as if this is who I was going to be for the rest of my life the industry had made up their mind on who I am and what I do and that's the box that you now fit in and that to me was so depressing because like, I still feel like I'm growing. I feel like I'm still just, you mm-hmm. know, finding new skills. I have different things to talk about. I have different things that uh, I want to express as a comedian and a writer and all those uh, different strings to the bow that I have. And the idea that I would just be doing one type of show to diminishing effects for the rest of my life until it was done was it was really hard it really kind of sent me into a bit of a spiral so uh so a i've tried to keep the levels of communication open especially with like with male and female friends and uh i went and uh, i had a therapist for a a couple of years who and i found her to be invaluable you know because it's if if no one if if someone's listening to this and they haven't done therapy before uh, it's it can be a little bit boring hearing people who do therapy because they're a little bit kumbaya about it. Oh, you got to do it. It's really good for you. But it is one of those things that it, once you start giving it a go, it can really work for you. You might take a while to find the right therapist. Yeah. You might get someone. So you have to kind of go in and give something a bit of a test. And then if that person's not quite on your wavelength, then like the first therapist I had was a nice woman, but I don't really feel like she kind of got things my first uh, one was a shocker right right like right. this is that thing where it was like you just go oh i, I remember finishing it halfway through the second one i was like this is no good like, this is yeah let's wrap this up i'll pay for it but i'm out of here yeah i'm i'm done yeah the, the first one i saw I, I probably went to half a dozen times and i kind of feel like once again i don't think she was a bad therapist i just don't think we were on the same wavelength yeah. mm-hmm. uh but then the second therapist uh, i had like i remember going in this was uh, when I'd moved to uh, Sydney. And I, I'd been in a bit of a rut in Melbourne in the last couple of years of living there and uh, wasn't really enjoying myself and then had the opportunity to move to Sydney in a very short amount of time and kind of took that as an opportunity to not only reinvigorate my lifestyle but also take on some new challenges and have a real opportunity as a, as a guy in his early 40s to maybe reinvent himself a little bit as well Mm -hmm. and the therapist i had up here 
was fantastic. I, I remember going in on the first day and we we talked about stuff and she was, you know, asking me what I was worried about and what I was thinking. And one of the things I shared with her was, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I just don't really feel like I've achieved anything. And she's like, okay, well, well, we'll discuss that. And then the next time I went in, she said, uh, hey, I hope you don't mind, but I Googled your name. And I said, oh, yeah. She said, you've, like, done heaps. And I said, have I? <laughs> she said, yeah. Like, yeah. And then she named all these things and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I have done heaps. What am I doing? <laughs> like, and it, it was just that perspective on, on, you know, who you are from the outside. And she could always ask those questions. And I, it's not only good for you uh, on a personal level, it's also good for you to learn because of this outside influence, how to treat other people. Like there are aspects of my family that drive me insane, but they, they, once upon a time I used to get really annoyed with it, but now it's like I understand the angles that those people are coming from and I know how to treat them better. Right. There were a couple of friendships that I found were starting to teeter to turn into something that was unsalvageable. But through being able to talk about those friendships with the therapist and seeing different angles and perspectives and, you know, like a friend of mine, sometimes it's better to just give an example. There's a friend of mine who, if there's a girl around, becomes a completely different person and competes. He competes for women's attention. And the more women there are in 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 a group, the more he competes. And I'm like, just... Like, if you need to be the centre of attention, be the centre of attention. I'm not competing. Mm. And it was driving me insane. Um, and then I talked to my therapist about it, and then she asked a very simple question was, yeah, well, how do you compete for women's attention? And I was like, oh, uh, um, no, I don't know. And I must. I must in some way. So it's just a really good opportunity to talk to someone who then asks nice questions that allow you to look at yourself and reassess and change your approach. And I feel like I'm, like I'm, I wouldn't say, you know, you, you, you're never cured or you're never right. really a hundred percent on top of anything, but I feel like I'm a, a nicer person. I feel like I'm more empathetic and I feel like the approach I have with my friends and the people that I know, I am much better at being me for their sake and my sake as right. well. Right. And I think it's important to remember, yeah, we're technically all of us that are continuous work in progress and no one's clocked life. Uh, but also something I think you just said is quite true that that maybe seeing therapy, uh, I know they say this with meditation, when you start to look at meditation as not for you, but the fact that you're going to be a better person to be around for your loved ones and for your friends, that gives people more motivation that, oh, this is something other than me now. It's not a... Because sometimes people... I think have resistance to things like checking on themselves as being a selfish pursuit because it's like, oh, it's, I don't want to go talk about me and what do I have to complain about? My life is good. I shouldn't. It's like, no, no, no. You can be a bit of an asshole sometimes. So how about you see why you can minimize that? It's not saying that you're not going to, you know, act on it. You might not have like maybe a rage thing or selfishness or whatever your thing is by being able to take some time away to understand where it comes from and then maybe having some guidance how to minimize it you're going to be a better person for all those around you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you are, you're not always at your best and you do fail. And there's, it's, it's just a part of life. And if you can at least be on top of it, so you know, when you've stumbled, you can, you can course correct. Right. And you can 
because there's nothing wrong with ringing someone and say, you know what, I was just a bit off last night and I feel like I was a bit short, so I'm sorry about that. And invariably, you say that to someone and most people go, oh, were you? But, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's better yeah. to discuss it. And, uh, and you I know, think it also means when I'm at my best, I feel like I'm much better. Yeah, and also I think by being uh, holding yourself accountable to those uh, moments like that the, the night before calling back and saying, I was a bit off, I was, shouldn't have done that, whatever, means you're less likely to repeat it down the track. Because if you're not held accountable, then you just keep repeating the pattern. So right. if you and raise the standard for yourself as to saying, you know what, I'm better than that, and choosing that moment as, as, as uncomfortable and ugh, as gross as it feels to have to tap into that insecurity again, it's better to do it now than repeat it over and over again. Oh yeah, definitely. And the and I, I you know, I was I, I was happy with it personally, but I was also happy with it professionally as well. I felt like I felt like the the shows that I did last year, the the three plays, the Ballad of John Tilde Animus, I felt like those plays were really pure distillations of my creative skills and where I was at. Mm. And it was the first time like there were shows that I'd enjoyed, but I felt like that was the first time that I'd really gone for it, yeah. taken a really big swing. And that came from doing that kind of therapy and looking inwards and being a little bit more honest with yourself and what you like. Now, I know those shows. I have no doubt that some people came to those shows and went, what the fuck did I just experience? But I also know that those shows, the the, the people who really enjoyed them, the, the emails that I received from people, they were getting it uh, on, a, on a very different level and it was a, a different type of feedback to what I'd experienced for a while. And once again, you know, but, you're just trying to be your best self. And so but, being able to do that was... It, it, it's really nourishing for the intellect and the soul. But and I, th- I think, I think, I... I think your play, I think applies that, that your, especially that play in particular, is like which I think therapy does is it strips back to the layers and just it makes you find out the, the real basics of what you want, and that yeah. comes down to sometimes just a couple of words, and because we we put so much expectations on top of us, it just becomes more and more and more that you actually lose sight of what is, you know, could be genuinely funny or what you think is creative or what you genuinely feel. And I think that for me was the biggest, the biggest eye opener because I was like, what do I really want? And at the start I had no idea. I thought I did and I didn't. And it's not until you get through like a couple of years and you yell it out while you're in the fetal position on the ground. (laughs) 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 You then realize it. Ben, Ben, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago uh, on celebrating our uh, downloads episode. We hit a milestone hammer, which you were excited about. Uh, And uh, we were just talking about, you know, sometimes we do this podcast because Ben and I are excited to just talk about something without necessarily worrying about do people care, even care. And what we've realized, or at least I realized is, no, by talking about something that I give a shit about enthusiastically, you're just going to attract like-minded people who also give a shit about it. And those who don't care, they don't tune in anyway. It doesn't matter. Why am I trying to please yeah. them? Because they're never going to like it anyway. So that realization that as long as whatever we bring to the table for this podcast, at least, is something we're truly excited to talk about in that moment, it's going to find the necessary ears to fall on. Yeah. People, 
people will find it and people will know when you're being honest and, and being uh, pure with what you're producing and they'll be the super fans. You know, yeah. they'll be the people that uh, will feel that this is being spoken, even if it's not something they necessarily relate to. They'll know that there is an honesty to it and like th- that to me is much more satisfying. Like I'd rather have less listeners and have amazing listeners than have double the amount, but some of them listen to you in a way where you think, oh, I don't reckon you get what we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, go- it comes full circle to where we started with this idea of fandom, right? Where it's like, you know, the idea of being into something is so exciting and it's infectious. You know what I mean? And I think that was one of the coolest things about Big Squid uh, that was accompanying the Watchmen series was that the little community that was created on Facebook where people were then given that chance to, you know, really like, like it's, it's, it was a show that I don't know how many other of my mates were watching, but I knew that as soon as the episode finished, I have uh, the forums to look at and also your podcast to listen to. And, <laughs> right. and it just made the whole experience of those 10 or nine episodes or whatever it was so much more satisfying for me because it, it was finding like-minded people being able to un, you know, unashamedly, un, un, like, you know, consciously, uh, just just let it, let it out and just just enjoy the fuck out of something. Oh yeah, that's what that's what I've tried to continue with the podcast as well. Like you could listen to an episode now, and you could hear in one episode maybe a review of a graphic novel, uh, a review of Brian Ferry's first solo album from 1973, and then Ben Elwood and I breaking down the Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's but essentially it's this is all the stuff I'm into, and I'm going to talk about it in a way that if you're into it, maybe you'll enjoy me chatting about it. But also, if this is something you've never experienced before, then maybe you might like to check it out. Yeah, yeah. like it's the Harry Styles Harry moment. Styles <laughs> yeah, gave it three goes. And so, where <laughs> where do where, where can people? I mean, it's obviously the usual iTunes, isn't it? Big Squid with Justin Hamilton. Yeah, uh, they can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Yeah, uh, justinhamilton.com.au for everything in general. Yeah, so I've got blogs there. I've been writing some short stories as well. Like I try to write short stories that are like three to four minute reads, try and hit my, go in and tell a story and hit it hard. So uh, they can find stuff there as well. And if they want to, if, if people want to listen to the podcast, uh, there's a Facebook page. But there's also a, a private Facebook page. Anyone can join, but that's kind of where we talk about things with spoilers, etc. So nobody has to be worried that they're going to yeah. ruin something for somebody else. But uh, we have a, a lot of really lovely people there who... Yeah. Uh, oh, Justin, thank you so thanks much. So much thanks so much, Justin. It's been great. No thank you. Um, hey, Dil, uh, again, uh, look, we, we, we can't thank Justin enough for being on the podcast. A long time coming. But again, if you like this podcast, share it with your mates. Uh, and of course, we're on Patreon, uh, Patreon slash Fitbit Pod. Uh, Dill, your Amazon special still up yep. there. Go oh, check bundle, it out. Bundle join on Amazon uh, and Dilruk J on Instagram and Ben Lomas Comic for you and Fitbit Pod. Uh, but please do go check out Big Squid. Thank you again. Yeah, thank uh, you. And, uh, thanks so I much for sharing Scott. all of that. It's, it's, it's been incredible, mate. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Take See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.